Welcome back to another spooky episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and let's get started. All right, jumping into our first listener-submitted story. Sleep paralysis experience. I've had the same one several times over the past year where I wake and the fan I keep on at night suddenly clatters and clanks. Then the air, which is aimed at another wall, is aimed at me. I feel the wind in my face. I wake up, and a black entity hovers above me and sits on my chest, and I am totally paralyzed. Trying to speak but unable to do so, it is the most horrifying thing. Well, last night something different happened. I managed to say out loud, F you, God is, and immediately the entity disappeared. The air on my face stopped, and the fan went back to normal. It was a triumph. I looked up sleep paralysis today and found it happens to many people through the medical community, and not many people know why. Is it sleep apnea? Is it stress? I don't have any of those. I'm willing to believe there's a normal physical cause, and also willing to wonder if there is a dark entity that paralyzes people at times as they wake from sleep. Another one responded, I was having sleep paralysis episodes a few years ago. Basically a dark, black, misty figure standing in the doorway saying it wants my soul repeatedly. I couldn't move or yell. Nothing. It was the same thing every episode. I ended up buying a Bible and placed it on my nightstand. I haven't had an episode since. It's been roughly three years. Someone else responded. It's caused by severe stress and anxiety. I experienced it frequently the months after I moved from home to live in Chicago. I was 18 at the time, but I still remember how scary and traumatic it was the first time it happened. I was trying hard to open my mouth to scream, but I couldn't. It seemed like hours passed, but it was only mere minutes, I'm sure. Eventually, I forced myself to back to sleep and then woke up perfectly fine. It was strange, and I wish there were more studies done on it. I read where if you start to try to wiggle your toes, you can break break your body out of the state of paralysis. In the moment, though, that seems impossible. Thanks for those contributions about sleep paralysis. It always fascinates me. I had my sleep paralysis episode whenever I was in sixth grade. Woke up from having a like a demonic dream uh, to a black entity hovering over myself, uh, pushing me down where I couldn't breathe. And it was just a black cloud, you know, can't really describe it other than that. And then thinking back to something the missionaries told me to say is, Lord Jesus, save me. And I did. And then it went away. And I was able to breathe again and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't until years later that I realized that that was a sleep paralysis episode. Until then, I was going under the assumption it was a demonic attack. Do you have sleep paralysis? Let me know your story. Everyone seems to see something different and still have similar stories.
All right. Our next story is called The House. Okay, let's start. We bought our home a year and a half ago, and it was great. We loved it and made it our own. I found out shortly after living there that the previous owner's husband died in the house, which was okay. But we started seeing shadows, especially my older daughter, and we chalked it up to the previous owner. Didn't feel malicious or anything, so life went on as usual. After a few months, we started feeling as though we were being watched, and I hated being upstairs alone. I have a bathroom off my master bedroom, and it's gorgeous, but I rarely go in there because I feel off. The hallway, too, just creeps me out terribly. I was sleeping one night and awoke to a very old man right in my face. He was gone within seconds of opening my eyes, and I was so scared. Then my daughter starts saying her room is getting weird, like creepy. She hears scratching coming from inside her closet. Though it was her mind playing tricks on her, or I thought it was her mind playing tricks on her, but with the feeling we all get in the house and seeing that old man and her seeing the shadows, etc., we get the house blessed, and it felt good and calm for a few months. Then it got worse. She starts seeing a huge black mass in the corner of her room when she tries to sleep, and it just watches, not moving. She hears her name being called at night, and she was held down in her bed, not, not being allowed to move. The next day, she had scratches on her back. My youngest daughter hears children laughing in the attic, which is right off her bedroom. We hear what sounds like furniture being dragged on the floor upstairs, and there's nothing there, ever. My German Shepherd will look at the wall and start to growl at nothing, and it's scaring us terribly. My daughter's friend came over and says it's a demon in her closet that comes out at night and wants us out. Last night, my oldest says she heard something whisper in her ear, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to kill you. So yeah, I'm ready to leave, but that's hard considering we put all of our savings into this house. I need advice, any advice to help protect us, especially my daughters. We're scared, lost, and I don't know how to fight something I cannot see. Thank you for that contribution. Sounds like a mix of activity and sleep paralysis and activity. Um, I know whenever I was a child, I used to, in the back bedroom that I was so scared of, um, get scratches on my back um, the next morning and stuff like that. Um, just really freaky stuff. So I definitely understand there. All right, let's take a short break and get into more stories after this. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, welcome back. We're going to hop on over from our Facebook page over to OutsideOnline.com and read one of their articles. 
three true ghost stories for your next backyard campfire. All right. We've given so much. We've given up so much outdoor recreation this year. Not that we're mad about it. Saving lives matters more than backpacking trips and summer marathons. But as the days get warmer, I feel myself craving the smoke in my hair smell from a campfire. I miss the sound of owls, the dwindling supply of beer in the cooler, and the way time suspends as you wait for the flames to die. Mostly, though, I miss the stories. There's something about the light of the fire in the backcountry, darkness, that makes you lean in and listen a little closer. Of course, a few sips of whiskey never hurt a good tall tale. We can't bring back your spring campfires with friends. We can, however, bring our favorite campfire stories to you. Save these three for retelling when things return to normal. Or tell them now over Zoom call with your friends. The Ghosts of Oxford Mill Road. Oxford Milford Road. The storyteller is Brad Colt. When Brad Culp was a student at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, there was a rumor that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. When Culp started an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. Not long after his story published, though, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular, the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. As the story goes, many decades ago, probably sometime in the 1940s, there was a young man courting a young woman in a rural part of town. Because the woman's parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited under the cover of darkness. After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of her farmhouse, flash the lights of her parents' car three times, and her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. One night, he took the turn right before her house a little too sharp, says Colt. The motorcycle went one way and he went the other. His injuries were so severe that he did not survive. Rumor has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts the stretch of Milford Road. Curious, Culp, his girlfriend, now his wife, and a friend decided to head out there one night and see if they could verify the tale. His girlfriend was worried she'd be completely freaked out. She believes more in this stuff than I do, Culp said. But he was most concerned about his suspicions. Mostly concerned about that his suspicions that none of this was actually true would be confirmed. On that particular night, as Culp passed the abandoned farm, an idea came to him. He pitched in his girlfriend. How could she not say yes? Though reluctant, she relented, and Culp turned a short way into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and flashed his lights three times. No joke, there was a single headlight that appeared three-quarters of a mile down the road. Culp says, you saw it to start to come, going pretty slow. It kept coming and coming. My wife freaked out. It was getting closer and closer. As a collision seemed imminent, Culp turned on his car's lights. He expected to see a kid on a bike bailing out of his prank now that he'd been caught, but nothing was there. The light was just gone. They got out of the car. They walked around trying to figure out what it 
what it was they could have seen. To this day, we still talk about it. I saw something I cannot explain, he says. If you get him and his wife around a campfire, they'll swear up and down that story is true. And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, consider parking for just a few minutes on Oxford Milford Road at night to test your own nerve. Was it people or was it aliens? Storyteller is Doug Averill. Doug Averill grew up as one of eight boys on his parents' sprawling dude ranch, the Flathead Lake Lodge, in rural Montana. As a teen, the Averill boys ran wild. The We rode around with a little gang of cowboys, as a little gang of cowboys. He remembers they'd saddle up and head off to check cattle in three giant tracts of land the family managed which formed a triangle around some of the state's most remote rangeland. One summer in the 1960s, the brothers came across a ghastly sight. There on the ground were three dead cows neatly arranged in a circle. No obvious wombs were visible, but their reproductive organs had been removed. But there was never any blood. It was almost surgical removal. During this decade, America was obsessed with aliens, and write-ups in the local newspaper posted that perhaps it was the work of extraterrestrials. People mused that aliens had taken the reproductive organs for testing, but one day, Avril and his friends came across a lance in their their path. Attached to it was a cryptic note with a threatening message. That's when we thought, it's got to be people doing this. Then things got really strange. Over the next few days, a series of odd events unfolded. First, the brothers stopped at a local bar to grab a hamburger, leaving their horses in the back of a stock truck. The horses were packed in tightly, and the Avril's were only gone for a few minutes. When they came back, the horse packed in the middle of the truck was mysteriously out, with no sign of a struggle. He had no idea how that possibly gotten out like that horse unloaded without unloading all the others. The next day, a new wrangler on the ranch fell off his horse and was badly injured. They had all been riding together, but not a single other member of the crew saw the accident. It was the weirdest thing. The man's injuries were so severe that he left. He was left permanently disabled. Finally, the last terrible thing happened. An old camp cook drove out to meet the brothers and ride for a day. But when he arrived, the tailgate of his stock truck had somehow gone missing, even though it had been there when he'd loaded up. His horse, Betsy, had fallen out of the truck and been dragged behind the vehicle for who knows how long. They had put her down on the spot. To be honest, it just killed him to see what happens to Betsy. We probably should have put him down too, remembers Avril. Those three events just boom, boom, boom. Three things in a row that were so weird tied together because they were right after they saw that spear. Three things like the three dead cows left in the circle. Avril used to tell the stories from that summer around the campfire quite a lot, but over the years he's gotten new stories, and so they've shifted out of rotation. Besides, they're awfully grim, and he recently got a call about a downed bull, a buffalo. It was out one of the remotest parts of his ranch.
A neighbor had seen a pack of 16 wolves. Normally, wolves don't bother buffalo. But 16 of them? I thought, well, maybe. He went to investigate. There, lying in the snow-covered field, was the bull. But there were no bullet holes or teeth marks or gnashes on his corpse. Even stranger, scavenging animals and birds hadn't touched it. Not even the buzzards, which is really unusual. One thing was amiss. Its reproductive organs were gone. There wasn't a single footprint in the snow around it and anywhere along a mile-long walk into the ranch from the nearest road. Ask Everill whether he thinks he's dealing with aliens or humans, and he'll tell you he's pretty sure it's humans. But I'd rather it was aliens, he adds. After that summer back in the 60s, seeing what humans are capable of, he'd pick aliens any day. All right, the ghost of La Parva Ski Resort. Storyteller is Drew Tapp. Throughout Latin America, you'll hear variations of the story of La Lorna, or the Wailing Woman. Sometimes she's lost her husband. Sometimes she's lost her children. Sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski spot in the Chilean Andes, a Wailing Woman is named Lola. And everyone in the area swears they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said he dated her, pro skier Drew Tab says. Adding the ski patroller he'd heard the story from pointed at the exact hut where this tale takes place. The story starts on a nice day in the peak season, peak ski season. Lola and her young son plan to spend the day on the slopes. As can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose from the valley, which often precedes the arrival of a real storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly, though, she stumbled down the steep slope and began sliding towards the rocky by chance a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body he was afraid she was dead but upon closer inspection he found she was still alive just barely her body was covered in lacerations from sharp rocks and the only words she said in the faintest whisper was her son's name the lift operator worked to carefully pull her body back to his cabin which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best she could, as best he could, and then ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and the lift operator made their way back to his hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When they arrived, though, the bed was empty. Just the bloody sheets remained. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found, Tab says. But local reports hearing her wail for her child whenever there is... They're near that lift operator's cabin. And here's the thing. Tab does not believe in ghosts. Somehow, however, something, however, changes when he arrives in Chile each winter. Maybe it's the fact that from La Parva, you can see the Cerro La Plomo, an Incan child sacrifice site. Maybe it's because Tab has simply read so many magical realism books by authors like Juan Rulfo and Gabriel Garcia Marquez, but sitting alone in his cabin in the Andes, 
with the wind whipping and the candles flickering, he swears that every now and then he just can't tell if what he's hearing is a woman or the wind. All right. A few mild stories to get us started tonight. Let's take a short break and get right back into it after this. All right, welcome back. Now we get into an article from The Lowdown by Team Joggernaut. Five creepy real-life horror stories. Research reveals that since the lockdown, paranormal reporting helplines have faced a sharp increase in calls. People seem to be encountering spirits everywhere in their home. Whether it's a trick of the mind due to the quarantine or an indication of true paranormal activity, we may never know, but there's certainly no doubt about the accounts given below. Number one. One night in a Himalayan forest, Jane Dyson went to study social change in the village of Benmi High up in the Himalayan mountains. She was immediately made aware of the strong belief in the supernatural that the villagers had. Not only did a large Tibetan mastiff attack her son, which was later explained as an exorcism as her son was possessed, but she listened to many other accounts. One that stood out was that of Mohan Singh. He was fetching wood in the forest when a strange man approached him and questioned him about the tree he was cutting. Mohan said the sky suddenly went black as if he had been struck partially blind. The man grabbed him at his shirt, and the palm of the ghost's hand was on one of side of Mohan's body, but his fingertips reached right across to the other side. The ghost's hair fell to his waist and was as thick as a child's arm. During the tussle, the ghost changed in size, one minute nine feet tall, the next the size of a chicken. Mohan felt like he was fighting for his life, but eventually he broke free of the ghost, who instantly vanished. The source, BBC News. Can I stay with you? In an article about real-life ghost encounters by Redditors, Insider writes about a child who seems to live in a house without the knowledge of its owners. There is a ghost of a young boy who lives in our house that our guests have seen. We rent from the original owner, and there is no bad history, but a dozen people have seen him walking around upstairs. I leave my phone on the nightstand at night, and I often find hundreds of scribbles open on the notepad when I wake up. Source, The Insider. Number three, The Shadow Men. I am the co-founder of a paranormal investigation team called Paranormal Nights. On one of the investigations in late 2012, we visited a client's home to investigate claims of the paranormal. The client said they had witnessed shadow people, objects in the house moving, and doors being slammed and locked. After we completed our interviews and began investigating, the home came alive with objects moving. We saw shadows crawling across the floor and ceiling. We had things happen and evidence to believe there was something of malice and possibly a demonic haunt. This is an image, there's an image here, of something manifesting in front of our client. 
We drew an outline around the area. And it's just an old picture, but it shows a face. I'd probably say it looks like Voldemort. No nose, big eyes. Scary, scary. Number four, Screaming Child. Another Redditor account sends a chill down one spine. When I lived in Minnesota, I would go over to my friend's house a lot. One day, I was sitting on the couch watching TV, and I heard a girl screaming in my right ear. It was like she was screaming at the top of her lungs, but the volume was turned down, so it wasn't true volume of a scream. There was nothing there, obviously, so I wrote it off. Well, a week or so later, one of the guys whipped his head around and says, I just heard a girl screaming. We both knew there was no one else in the house. I didn't hear a girl screaming, but neither did anyone when she screamed in my ear. I don't think she was meaning mean or bad. I think she was sad, lonely, wanting attention. I felt bad that I couldn't reach out to her. Jumping over to LiveScience.com. A couple stories from here. In 1915, Egyptologist Gaston Maspero published a translation of an ancient Egyptian ghost story, possibly set in Luxor, ancient Thebes, that was discovered on four pieces of pottery. In the story, a ghost of a mummified man tells a high priest of the god Amon about his current situation, or his current condition. In quotes, I grew, and I did not see the rays of the sun. I did not breathe the air, but darkness was before me every day, and no one came to find me, the ghost says. The ghost seems to complain about some accident that happened to himself or his tomb, and I cannot make out what is the subject of his dissatisfaction, Ms. Vera wrote. The ancient Egyptians believed strongly in life after death and created a series of spells called the Book of the Dead, which they believed helped them reach the afterlife. All right. The Ghost of Tupo. Tupo was an ancient Chinese ghost with revenge on his mind. Before he died, Tupo served as a minister to the Chinese emperor Hosan. Hoswan. The two had a disagreement, and Hoswan had Tupo killed in about 786 BC, despite warnings that Tupo would come back and haunt him. Tupo did a lot more than haunt the emperor. Three years later, in, in 783 BC, Hoswan was killed with an arrow fired by an apparition resembling Tupo in front of an ensemble of feudal lords, wrote Chinese philosopher Mo Tzu. All right. That was hard to read. Basically, he was killed by an arrow fired by this apparition, and it was witnessed by a whole bunch of feudal lords which is cool all right chained man in ancient athens roman senator 
Pliny the Younger, who died A.D. 113, told a ghost tale so haunting that it survives to this day. There was at Athens a large and roomy house, which had a bad name, so that no one could live there. In the dead of the night, a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listened more attentively, sounded like the rattling of chains. Disturbances that led to the appearance of a specter, form of an old man, of extremely emaciated and squalid appearance, with a large beard and disheveled hair, rattling the chains on his feet and hands. Needless to say, the house was abandoned and had to be rented out for a cheap price. When a philosopher named Athenorius heard the story, he reportedly rented the house and confronted the ghost. The ghost appeared and rattled around before vanishing. Athenorius calmly marked the spot where the ghost vanished and in the morning ordered the spot to be dug up. The story goes. This was accordingly done and the skeleton of a man in chains was found there. For the body, having lain a considerable time in the ground, was putrefied and moldered away from the chains. After being given a proper burial, the ghost departed and the house was haunted no more, according to Pliny's tale. Boarded up bathhouse. The writer of Plutarch, or the writer Plutarch, who lived AD 45 to 120, tells a ghost story that has much sadder ending than the ones from Athens. In the city of Caronia, Greece, there was a boy named Damon who attracted the attention of the Roman military commander who apparently loved him. Historical records suggest Damon refused the commander's advances, enraging him. Knowing that he would be killed if he did nothing, Damon got a group of friends together and ambushed the Roman commander and several other Roman soldiers, killing them. The Council of Cornea Cornea, condemned Damon and his friends to death. After their proclamation, Damon, who had not been killed, had the council members killed. Damon and his friends then took to the countryside, plundering it. Eventually, the townspeople allowed Damon to return, but he was killed shortly afterwards in a local bathhouse. And because for a long while thereafter, certain phantoms appeared in the place and groans were heard up there, as our fathers tell us, the doors of the vapor bath was walled up. And to this present time, the neighbors think it's a source of alarming sights and sounds, Plutarch wrote. All right. The Tower of London. Britain's numerous castles are hotspots for ghost stories. The 900-year-old Tower of London is said to contain numerous ghosts, and the Queen's House is considered by tower officials to be one of the most haunted locations. Among the ghosts in the Queen's house is that of Arabella Stuart, cousin of King James I. Arabella made the mistake of marrying against the King's wishes and was sent to the Tower as punishment. According to the ghost story, she is still serving her time. In another spooky tale, a phantom bear is said to haunt one section of the Tower of London, called the Martin Tower. A guard who saw the phantom bear is said to have dropped dead from shock. The Tower of London serves as a menagerie for part of its history, 
and held a variety of animals, including bears. The Angahara Woods. At Angahara Woods, located at the foot of the Fuji Mountains in Japan, corpses of dozens of suicide victims have been found over the past two decades, and the forest has become a popular place for troubled Japanese citizens to end their life. Today, there are signs in the forest urging people not to end their lives and asking them to seek help. Given the number of suicides that have occurred in the forest, ghost stories abound, including several alleged encounters with the apparitions of those who have died there. All right, the exorcism of Roland Doe. In 1949, a boy from Cottage City, Maryland, was referred to as Roland Doe, not his real name, underwent an exorcism performed by a group of Roman Catholic priests, accounts suggest. There are conflicting reports as to Roland's alleged powers. Some claim that Roland had supernatural strength, could speak in an ancient language that the boy had no knowledge of, and could apparently move and levitate the mattress he was lying on. Since 1949, investigators have called into question many of these claims, providing evidence to suggest Roland was a psychologically troubled boy who hated to attend school, and his abilities were far from supernatural. In any event, the exorcism took place, and the events inspired the 1971 novel The Exorcist, which in turn inspired the famous 1973 movie. All right, The Brown Lady of Rynham Hall. In 1936, a photographer taking pictures of a 300-year-old Rhinen Hall in Norfolk, UK, captured an image of an apparition floating down the stairs. It's one of the most famous ghost pictures ever taken, although some experts believed it was caused by double exposure. The manor covering an area of 7,000 acres has a long history of being haunted, and the BBC notes that the ghost may be that of Lady Dorothy Townshend, the wife of the second Viscount of the estate. She died in 1726, supposedly of smallpox, after having an affair which her husband, Lord Townshend, had learned about before her death. She said to still wander the hall dressed in brown. The CCTV Ghost Hampton Court Palace in Surrey, England, was a photogenic ghost, has a photogenic ghost of its own. In 2003, a CCTV camera caught an image of a skeletal figure clad in century-old clothes, closing a sturdy fire door that had flung open. The ghost, nicknamed Skeletor, attracted a great deal of media attention. It wasn't just security staff who thought they were seeing things. A visitor wrote in the palace's visitor book on the day that Skeletor appeared on camera that she too had seen a ghost in that area. Skeletor is not the only ghost inhabitant of Hampton Court Place. Catherine Howard, one of Henry VIII's wives, was imprisoned there and supposedly dragged to her room screaming all the way. The area she haunts is called the Screaming Gallery. Creepy. All right, we've covered this in other episodes, but Amityville. The Amityville haunting is perhaps the most famous ghost story in America. 
Ronald Defoe Jr. was convicted of the 1974 killing of his mother, father, and four of their children at their home in Enviville, New York. Reports indicate that the gun Ronald used didn't have a silencer, and there was no sign of struggle inside the house. Facts that left investigators puzzled. In 1975, a new family, the Letzitz, moved in to the Amityville home, having bought it at a discounted price. They lived there for less than a month. During that time, voices were heard around the house. Their daughter developed an imaginary friendship with a red-eyed pig called Jody. The house attracted swarms of flies, and there was banging on the walls, and the furniture said to move on its own, according to reports from the family. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren were called in to investigate, and they also report encountering paranormal phenomena. Ed Warren said he was pushed to the floor of the basement by an unknown force. The house still stands today, although the recent owners say it's not haunted. The 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, and numerous films are based on this story. All right, let's take a short break and get right back into it. Now going over to travelchannel.com where they've collected a bunch of stories from Reddit. And let's just go down the list. 11 of the scariest ghost stories from Reddit. This one is by Beth Braden. It wasn't a little girl. I was camping with my husband and his family in a small remote lake in New Mexico. There were about 10 people in our group and another group of six people in the next campsite. It was nighttime and both groups were doing typical activities, making s'mores, having a few drinks, and telling stories when we all heard what sounded like a little girl yelling out for help. Neither group had children with them, but we were all positive we were hearing a little girl and decided to search the area we heard the noises from together. There was a field behind our campsites, and we all saw a very tall, pure white figure standing maybe 100 feet away from us in the field, making the noises. We all agreed this thing looked maybe 6 feet tall, skinny, and white as can be. We made our way closer to investigate, but whatever it was that we saw started backing off as we got closer, and it disappeared into the trees. All night, we continued to hear the little girl calling for help as we tried to sleep. Creepy. The Walking Dead. I'm a psychiatric nurse, and early in my career, I worked as a residential mental health facility. One of our residents was electively mute, which means that he didn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk, but there were no medical reasons as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and, in fact, seemed quite normal back then, with the exception of being close to seven feet tall. He'd been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19, with one, but one night he vanished. He was declared AWOL, and eventually he was declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot-tall man walked into a VA hospital emergency room in the part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, My name is Marion Dushin, not the real name, and I've been dead for ten years. These were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered in dust, and he was wearing the same clothes he'd been reported to be wearing right the night he vanished. 
His social security number had not been used, and he had no identification on his person. However, they were able to identify him. I guess via fingerprints. The family had was notified, but they said they had already grieved the lost man, and that whomever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They demanded not to be contacted again. Marion paced all day, every day, moving his mouth that looked like talking or muttering, but no sound came out. He had a very unnerving habit of throwing his head back in his mouth wide open as if he were laughing heartily, but not even a breath could be heard. If I talked to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in that laughter-mimicking way of his. Various medications were tried, but they did not affect him either positively or negatively. Occupational therapy did not did nothing because Marion would just grin unless told to stay put. He'd get up and start pacing again. On my last day at that job, the last thing I saw was Marion pacing in the parking lot, throwing his head back to laugh. Later, I wonder if all along I had been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. The Unrest Stop I was driving across country with my mom and sister when I was 16, and my sister was 20. It was late, and we were well-rested, but still and alert. We were driving along an interstate and needed gas and a bathroom break, so we stopped at the only rest stop in 200 miles. There was a van full of teenagers on the road trip at the gas station, as well as a small gray car parked at the pump in front of us, with two young men standing still outside of it. We got there, everything felt wrong. We'd been on the road for days and seen many rest stops at night, and never been afraid of them until then. My mom and sister went inside, and I stayed inside the car. I heard the teenagers say they were creeped out and couldn't get the pump to work, and they left in a hurry. I was watching the car in front of us. The two men had not moved at all, not an inch. They weren't talking. They weren't on phones. They were just standing there, still as stone. My sister and mom came running back out to the car, and they got in. The two men slowly turned and looked at us, not moving or pivoting the rest of their bodies. And I swear we saw all saw the same thing. They had eyes dark as pitch and empty, truly empty. Not black, not reflecting any lights at all, just a void. We sped out of there and didn't stop until we were in the next city. The worst thing about the experience, we couldn't find that place on any map. We knew exactly which spot on the interstate to look, and we couldn't find it on Google Maps or any paper map we had. We even asked locals about the creepy gas station out on that stretch of road and got confused looks. We haven't traveled the, that interstate since, and there is no rest stop. Or we, we have traveled on that interstate since, and there is no rest stop there. It came for us in the graveyard. We were driving my friend's really old beat-up Subaru through a massive graveyard. We stopped and walked down a hill and came across a little pond. There was some someone sitting on a rock on the other side of the pond. The figure was all black and we couldn't make out any features other than the fact it looked like a man who was wearing some old style top hat. We stupidly waved and shouted hi. He didn't show any acknowledgement or continued sitting on the rock. All of a sudden he jumped to his feet and started running to us on the water and then vanished into thin air 
about halfway on the pond. My friend and I screamed and ran back to our car. The car wouldn't start, and we heard something banging on the back of the car. It wasn't a constant bang, but every few seconds or so we'd hear it. Nobody was outside from what we could see in the dark, but something was making a noise on the car. I opened my phone and started dialing my mom to give us a boost, but I had no service. None of us had any cell service. The next 30 minutes were spent trying to keep, get the car started. No banging was heard afterwards, but we felt this heavy pressure around us. Finally, the car started, and she hit the pedal to the metal, and we sped out of that graveyard so fast. Immediately crossing the gates, all of our phones registered cell service. One thing I know for certain is that someone or something was out there, and it was not an animal or a human. It was good to see an old friend. When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles through a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road flagging me down. It turned out to be one of the guys I had attended school with, Jim. Not his name, obviously. Jim gets in the car, and we start talking. I had not seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little older. We get to town, and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW and have a drink. And he says, no, just take me home. Jim's parents had lived only a few blocks from my grandmother's house. I turned in that direction, but he said to take him to the outskirts of town. There was a mobile home park out there, and I figured that's where he lived. When we reached that turnoff, he said, just drop me here. It was good to see you again, and he walks off into the night. I go to the VFW, met some old classmates, and we start to talk. As we're talking about who is coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I just picked up Jim three miles east of town and dropped him off. Everyone gets quiet. Even the guy singing karaoke stops and lays down the mic. My cousin goes white as a new t-shirt. Barb... Jim died on that curb eight years ago, rolled his car, and we were all at his funeral, I was told. I started to feel dizzy, and I went out to the car to take some deep breaths. There on the seat is the local newspaper printed eight years previous, containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. Hell hath no fury like a wo woman scorned. After we moved into our home, we were told a woman had died there at the hands of her abusive husband. She hated men. My dad would wake up with scratches all over himself, and whenever my brother was mean to my sister or I, he would have scratches on him as well. One day, my brother hurt our sister. He hit her with something. When he woke up later that night, he had a horrible bloody nose. The day we moved out, my brother accidentally broke his twin's arm trying out a wrestling move. He swears he would have died that night if it wasn't our last time in the house. Death came for him. I was standing in my parents' room, talking to my very sick dad at the time. He was dying of stage 4 esophageal cancer. I got the feeling something was behind me. I looked towards the doorway to the living room, and something about 4 foot 6 and fully black is peeking around the corner with its hands on the door frame. 
I ran towards it and slipped back around the door. And it slipped back around the door. When I got outside the doorway, there was nothing. My dad was really confused when I stepped back inside the room when I tell him. People who stayed at my house in my dad's final days claimed to have seen it. My mom saw the figure on multiple occasions in multiple places until he passed away. We haven't seen it since. My mother attracted evil. After my parents divorced when I was a teenager, I lived with my mother. I experienced lots of paranormal happenings, several when I was reading in my bed. The room would start to feel really icy. Next, I would feel as if someone, somebody, something that hated me was staring at me. When I got that feeling, I would leave the room and come back an hour later. Sometimes during the day, I would see a shadow figure sneaking along my bedroom walls. Something in that flat was pretending to be my dog. I went into my room and heard a deep growl from under my bed. My dog wasn't capable of making a noise that deep. It sounded like a really big dog or a man doing his best dog impersonation. Other times, my dog would whimper and pace in the room next to mine, but wouldn't come when called, as if he was afraid of something in the hallway. When I moved in with my father, the paranormal activity stopped. Evicted by a ghost. Shortly after college, I got married, and we immediately moved into a basement apartment because that's all that was available within our budget. This place had a poltergeist, and my wife was terrified. Whatever resides there with us made it clear it wanted to live alone. Dishes, glasses, and other items would fly off the shelf. My wife was hit several times. There was always an ominous feeling like we were being watched. At night, when we walked through the apartment in the dark, there would be an insanely bright flashes of light that would illuminate the entire room. One night, we were going to bed. As soon as my wife and I walked into the bedroom, we heard a voice from nowhere say, My name, Move. My wife looked at me. I looked at her and said loudly, You got it, bud. We moved out two days later and stayed with family. The old lady who owned the place died a few months later and the house was torn down. It is still an empty lot to this day, nothing but grass and a tree, and I still drive by it every now and then. My dad used to work as a correctional officer in a rural prison. He drove the perimeter of the property for his entire shift, but he would check back empty buildings for runaway inmates. It was generally a boring job. One night, my dad had parked on a hill reading a magazine when he started to feel a thumping in his body. He described it as the feeling you get when speakers are playing a song with really heavy bass. He put the magazine down and checked his rearview mirror, but when he, where he saw someone outside the truck, he grabbed his pistol and jumped out of the truck with his weapon. Outside, he realized it was a procession of Native Americans walking through the truck and directly through his seat, only to disappear in the same exact spot he was sitting. He said it was clear they were, they were ghosts. Many of them had appeared injured. This was only lasted for a few seconds, and the whole procession disappeared. He called the other perimeter guy on his walkie to try to explain, and the other guy almost immediately stopped communicating. Turns out the other guy had seen this happen before and didn't believe in ghosts, so he wouldn't talk about it. 
All right, we'll take a short break and get right back at it after this. All right, continuing the ghost stories tonight, we're going to hop on over to distractify.com, read one of their articles. 15 real-life paranormal encounters that will make you shriek. If you're counting down the days to Halloween, it's the beginning of the year, but we've got you covered. We've written about controversial kids' outfits, costumes that have never been made, debunked superstitions, and even terrifying texts from the dead. So we can assure you this is one of our favorite holidays, too. Today, we bring you some real-life scary stories. These Redditors shared the creepiest, most inexplicable paranormal things that have happened to them, and honestly, we might never sleep again, or at least we'll leave the lights on. Alright, number one. What, friend? My brother and I were home alone one night watching TV. My mother was working a night shift and my father was out. Father came home and pushed the door ajar and poked his head through to say hello. We both turn around and say hello back. Father closed the door. 30 seconds after, another man opens the door to say hello. We both turn and say hello back and the man closes the door. We assume it's a friend of my father has come back to the house too. Anyway, about five minutes later, I head into the kitchen where my father was, making dinner or whatever, and I'm expecting to see his friend again. And I see that he's alone making dinner and assumed his friend was upstairs in the bathroom. I asked my father who his friend is. He said, what friend? I reply, the guy who came back with you. Dad looks at me like I'm some sort of weirdo. I came back home on my own. Biggest what I've ever experienced. My brother was freaked out to the max. Remembering the guy's face, he was pale looking with bright white hair. No one was in the house. You know, casual day after class. One afternoon in college, I came back from class and decided to sit on the couch and have a snack. After that, I just passed out and I had a nightmare of some bloody faced demonish thing screaming in my ear at the top of his lungs. Woke up and went about the rest of my day. My roommate comes back later that night and goes into his room as I'm sitting in the main living area. At some point, he lets out this random startled scream, which leads me to running down the hall to see what's going on. He looks at me and goes, I swear to God, someone with a bloody face just walked from your bedroom into the bathroom. I never told him about my nightmare I had earlier in the day. I didn't sleep for probably two days. Nothing ever happened again. Officially never sleeping in a house alone again. When I was in college, I house sat for my parents. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, so I locked every door leading up to the bedroom when I went to bed at night. I had the weirdest dream that someone unlocked each door and turned on every light. I felt cold and woke up to my dog barking. All the lights in the house were on and every door open and unlocked. My dog wouldn't stop barking at nothing in the hallway. I sat in the shower with my dog and a phone in the rest of the night. I was scared to death. Classic grandmother smell. My grandmother's house had a very distinct smell. Nothing bad though, just a grandmother house smell. 
Anyway, when she came to visit us, she always used to sit in a specific chair in the living room. Shortly after she passed away, my father, my older sister, and myself came back home, and when we walked into the living room, we all smelled her. Dad said, hello, Ethel, and the smell disappeared. I would be skeptical if just one of us experienced this, but it was all three of us. Simultaneous dreams are nice. Simultaneous nightmares, not so much. My boyfriend and I woke up in separate parts of the house in hysterics, naked and covered in sweat. When we both finally calmed down and talked, we realized we had the same dream about being surrounded by a group of black and white people with no mouths. Help me. A lady's voice coming from the closet asking for help. My closet door was cracked and she said, help me, I see you through the cracks. Every synonym in the world word scared was coursing through my body. I went and checked to see if the woman in need of help, but nothing was in there but my clothes and shoes. I can still hear, help me, I see you through the cracks. Date with a ghost. I went on a Tinder date a couple years ago. Everything started off relatively normal. We met at a nice downtown restaurant for dinner. She was even prettier in person. The conversation was flowing. However, it didn't take long for me to realize she was a super private person. For example, she would not tell me her last name, where she worked, or say anything about her family. She made it clear she was protecting herself. And honestly, I don't blame her. I shrugged it off and the date continued. She took great interest in the fact that I was a seminary studying to be a pastor. She was nice because usually that's a deal breaker for most women, at least in my experience. Towards the end of our meal, she confessed something to me. I have something to tell you, but please don't think I'm crazy. I braced myself for whatever she was about to say. She explained that she recently moved into a new apartment. She lived alone, which was also a new thing and she couldn't put her finger on it. She was convinced there was a presence of something sinister and paranormal nature in her apartment. She had hardly slept since she moved in, and because she was plagued with constant nightmares and strange occurrences, I could see the fear and exhaustion in her eyes. She seemed quite sincere. I can tell you're a good guy, she said. She elaborated that I seemed trustworthy and had a calming presence. I know how this sounds, but would you please come home with me tonight? Honestly, I'm just scared to go back there alone. I'm not looking for sex. I was really taken aback by this. It's not every day I get asked to spend the night with a beautiful woman who I'd just met. I figured she was either telling the truth or she picked a really odd way to initiate sex. Either way, the night would be interesting. We walked for a little bit longer and I agreed to spend the night with her. I followed her home, and I walked into the apartment, and I was immediately struck with bad vibes. There was something ominous about that place. I didn't want to freak her out, so I just kept these feelings to myself. I said a quick prayer and followed her to the bedroom. She wasn't kidding about the sex. I tried my luck, which was met with swift rejection. We kissed and cuddled for a bit, nothing too crazy, and then she fell asleep. I just laid there for a while in the silent darkness, lost in thought. Sometime later, 100% heard someone walking down the hallway outside the bedroom. The door was closed, however, so I couldn't see anything. 
I was definitely frightened, but my curiosity got the best of me, so I went to investigate. Slowly, I opened the door. I looked to my left, then to my right. Nothing. I walked downstairs to check out the rest of the apartment. Nothing. I walked back upstairs to check the bathroom, the guest bedroom. Nothing. When I walked out of the guest room, which is right across from my date's bedroom, I looked left and right again. At the end of the hallway, I saw a black humanoid body standing there perfectly still. It was almost like a shadow, but I could discern that it was a three-dimensional figure. The figure was as large in stature, but there's no way it could have been my date. She's five foot one at best. I hauled back into my date's room. To my horror, she wasn't in bed when I called where I left her. I called out her name, but there was no response. I had just walked through the entire apartment, so I literally, it literally made no sense that she wasn't there. The bed was low to the ground, so she couldn't be under it. The closet was open too, and it was packed with boxes, so I knew she wasn't there either. The window was shut tight, plus it was a second story. It was as if she vanished. I grabbed my wallet, keys, cell phone, and ran out of the apartment in nothing but my underwear. The shadowy figure was gone. I jumped in my car and sped away. I never heard from her again. Her Tinder profile was deleted the next day, and she never responded to any of my texts. Till this day, I have no idea what the F happened to that night. I also never went back to her apartment, mostly because I'm horrible with directions, and she lived in the next town over. This was easily the most terrifying and inexplicable thing I've ever experienced. Number eight. My grandfather passed away when I was eight, and my little brother was about two or three-ish. He had a big lazy boy chair in the living room that he always planted himself in. Everyone knew that was his chair. It was grandpa's chair. Anyway, we went down to my grandparents' house in Florida for a long weekend to attend the funeral. We were all chatting the first night there in the living room, and my mom was sitting in the lazy boy chair. My little brother goes up to my mom and says, Grandpa wants his chair back. My mom asks him where Grandpa is, thinking he probably didn't understand death, to which he responds, he's right behind you. My mom bolted off the sofa immediately. We always knew hotels were creepy, but this? This was the very first hotel I worked at. I started at the front desk and worked at 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. There was something there with me from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., so I always, there was someone there with me from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I always had a little more than an hour where I was alone at the desk. Our kitchen closed at 10 p.m., so usually about 10.15, it was only the bartender and I still there. One night, it was almost 11 p.m., and there was a huge noise that came from the kitchen area. The bartender and I ran back there and saw every single pot, pan, ladle, spoon, everything that was hanging from the ceiling racks were on the ground. After our shift, we watched the camera back, and there was no one in the kitchen when it happened. I have no explanation for it other than it was the scariest thing that happened to me, and I could not get out of there fast enough. My cello's D-string was plucked three times. I was sleeping in my basement, pretty much my bedroom, and I woke up to the same random time in the night for no reason, rolled over, and saw a black figure, probably about 5'10", typically male physique, standing at the side of my bed. 
I was standing between the bed and the stairs, so there was no place to know, no way to nope out. I just rolled over and straightened up, started praying. I rolled back over and it was notice, it was gone. The next morning, I was in the shower, also in the basement, and the curtain was pushed to the side, not like all the way, but it noticeably moved. When I got out of the shower, my cello's D-string was plucked three times, then rung out, which was laying against the chair in my basement. Then I went upstairs, and my brother had a handprint that reached across his neck and cheek. It was way too big to be his hand, but he was perfectly fine and slept through the night interrupted, uninterrupted. Right. All right, last one. On Halloween night, I took a pendulum to an old battlefield with my friends to try to communicate with spirits or whatever. All in good fun. After that night, crazy stuff started happening to me in my apartment. The first sign was my keys continuously went missing. I'd unlock the door, set my keys down, go about my business, and then they would just be gone. Even when I was alone in the house, I enlisted my friends once to search the entire house. We looked under my mattress, moved all the furniture, dug around the couches. I had all four sets of keys go missing. And then my door started slamming. I'm a skeptical person, so I tested everything. I checked the hinges, opened and shut the front door to see if airflow triggered it. Nothing. My bedroom door would just slam shut on me every so often. I left for a week on vacation. When I came back, my picture of Jesus I kept on my dresser was on the floor, face down. There were stabs all over his face, like someone had poked holes all through it. I was telling a friend, I was, ugh. I took a storytelling class. Our assignment was to tell a ghost story, so I was practicing in the dining room alone. A full bottle of water that was sitting on the island flung itself off the table violently. I had a friend move in with me, and after that, all the weird stuff stopped. It was my final day at the apartment. I had all my friends over for a final farewell to the first year of college. One of my friends was like, what's this? And there's something on the couch, and he pulls out a set of my keys. Everyone immediately started feeling around the couch, and every set of missing keys was in my couch. It's like the poltergeist was saying goodbye as well. All right. Good stories. All right. Thanks for the submitted stories. Thanks for the article writers and everybody that had these stories prepared. Um, nice and spooky. Thanks for attending my spooky stories episode. All right. Stay spooky, my friends.